0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day everyone. Welcome to this beautiful morning in autumn. It's Trent Fleskins here, your host of The Perth Property Show. We have one of my favourite experts back in the studio. He's walked a grand total of 10 metres to get over here. Dave Gilbert, From Strategic Surveying, thank you very much for coming in again.
1: Ah, Good morning, everyone.
0: We are talking about one of the nerdiest things in subdivision, in surveying, in that whole planning space, and that is the idea of strata conversions. The idea here is essentially you've got your old duplex half, and these days you have the ability that whilst normally it's sitting on one lot, two lots sharing one lot, you can actually split that in half and segregate your half
1: legally as a land title so that you've got full autonomy over that lot yeah so good examples are the older duplex units that you've got that are a built strata sitting like you said on that parent lot a share one roof share one roof typically when they were created there was no such title as a survey strata title so what the state government allowed you to do was actually change them to a survey strata title where it's a land-based title still strata but land-based if you were built or registered before 1998 that's when Service came in. It's a good opportunity to actually subdivide your lot and not go through the whole planning process that you would for a normal two lot Service subdivision. You have this option of doing just a conversion it'll take three months it's been delegated to Lawson surveyors as the authority for it they lodge the plans to landgate doesn't go through wapc doesn't go through wapc wow
0: so a lot of changes there in comparison to our normal survey strata subdivision plan my first question to you really is what is the motivation why would someone come to you and ask you to legally change their built strata duplex half into a segregated isolated survey strider block
1: what benefit do they get out of that dealing with your neighbors is the potential of the unknown so currently if you own a duplex anything you want to do outside so paint the outside of your house if you want to do any sort of renovations outside it's all common property so you need consent from your neighbor to do any of those works and sometimes it can be quite difficult it could be getting rented out so you don't have access to speak to the actual owners directly all the time and you technically need to do paperwork for all this stuff. So why not do this comparatively quite cheap process for a conversion to survey strata that will then separate your two titles into land. You're emancipating
0: your half from the parent lot. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Gives you more freedom of choice to do what you want with your half. Yeah. Does it also give you the opportunity to subdivide your half again?
1: You had the opportunity to do that before when you had the duplex. The difference is that once you've done it into the land base of the survey strata title, you've just got a lot more flexibility the consents, they will still be a party of the subdivision in terms of their part of the strata, but they won't have the same authority that they would have originally. So it gives you, yeah, a little
0: bit more autonomy in deciding and pushing forward with subdividing your half of the subdivision, again, I should say. Yeah. So whilst a normal survey strata subdivision where you've got a normal house that you're going to knock down and split into two or three blocks might cost you $40,000, $50,000 in all the costs to get this done... What you're telling me is that it's significantly cheaper and significantly quicker. Can you again just run over what that quick process, you know, in one episode today would be, who you're engaging, what it's costing in terms of application fees and how long it's taking along that process?
1: Yeah, so the background to this is that at some stage, your duplex had approval to be two dwellings. So they've made the assumption that because it's already been approved for two dwellings, well then we can do Two survey strata lots on that. There are certain regulations that licensed surveyors have to follow, but as long as they are met, you can quite quickly change that title over. So the process is speak to your you know, favourite licensed surveyor, speak to us, probably a good idea. We can then check your plan and make sure that you meet all the requirements. Next step, licensed surveyor comes out, mark out the new boundaries where they're going to go. Yep. They'll pick up any existing features that are there because we can't change any boundaries that have already been locked in. So, for example, if you've got the dividing wall down the middle, we have to make sure that this survey strata subdivision that we do actually keeps that dividing wall. Lines up wall. with that. Yep. Okay. Even if it's not perfectly half. Even if it's not perfectly half. Yep. So okay. We have to make sure that no matter what, so say one side wanted to knock down their half later on, the other side is still protected in terms of that wall's not going to fall over so that all easements run through there as well. Uh, once the surveyor's done his survey, drawn up a plan, so that might be a month from engaging him initially to actually getting him out there. Once that's done, you then have a sit down meeting with all the owners. You agree to that this is a survey strata plan that you're happy to proceed with. And then we go on to the next step of asking for consents from any other registered interests. So it's almost like the application for new titles process at the end of the subdivision. That's pretty much what a conversion is. Yeah, it's pretty much that last portion of a subdivision. All the approvals and, and all the work to. Build it and everything has already been done years ago we're just now if you meet the requirements we're just doing that last portion of a subdivision yep and that's why it's cheaper it also means that you're not having to upgrade your existing houses to underground power or pay any additional head work fees
0: so western power is not coming in saying well look guys your old duplex half which I'm, i would think all of these ones would be still mm-hmm. over overhead there's not going to be a condition saying that they need to convert to underground no, no.
1: isn't that interesting is that a bit of a loophole? It's interesting in the fact that you can now create these two separate survey strata lots, but if it was available at the time, they would have still been overhead power at that stage. The reason it's created is because you've already been approved for a duplex. If you had the option, most likely you would have gone for a, a land-based title. We'll allow you to do this short process so that you can actually have it. It's a bit of a shortcut. It's a shortcut, and I'm glad it's there. Touch the red tape.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I wish all subdivisions could be like that, to be honest. What about in a situation where you're on a block that is zoned R20, but the square meterage of the total strata itself between the two houses is 700 square meters? Now, in any normal situation, you would need to have an average of 450 square meters between the two lots. And therefore, given that both two street-facing lots with no common property, both of these lots would have to be 450 each, you would have thought that lot would have to be 900 square meters. Is it possible to do a conversion as a survey strata conversion of that built strata using this shortcut to create
1: lots that are smaller than otherwise would have been acceptable next door? Yeah, that's absolutely true. So you actually will find these through the older suburbs where these older duplexes were approved on smaller lots. And if you weren't doing a conversion to survey strata, there'd be no way that you could actually do a subdivision.
0: Is it possible then that an investor could look in a suburb that otherwise wouldn't be zoned for subdivision, pick out an old duplex pair, mm-hmm. convert that, then knock the two houses down, and then have two street facing pieces of land, you know, and build two four by two two story houses on these brand new three hundred and fifty square meter blocks, whereas otherwise next door could not have done that?
1: Yes. Absolutely. You'll see it through areas like Netherlands, so some are still around. But the issue with this is that If there are any existing boundaries that have been defined, so for example, you've got that dividing wall that's running through the middle, which is usually the house isn't sitting smack bang in the middle of the lot. So that new boundary that you create, that's it. So it has to match what's already there and join in and stretch through. So what happens is sometimes you end up with these irregular shaped lots. That wouldn't be ideal, but it also means that you now have two lots where otherwise you wouldn't. If you You
0: could find this absolute dog box, old crappy duplex pair that's not being rented out anymore and in any other circumstance, that land could not be subdivided. You're buying it for land value and then, holy moly, you've got yourself an opportunity there to create two really high value blocks that no one else on that street could have done. And the
1: biggest bonus out of it is that you've paid... Nothing for it. Paid five, four grand for the conversion compared to, you know, if you're doing actual subdivision through WPC, you know, 50 grand. Yeah. I'd much rather take that five. Isn't that interesting?
0: I think that a lot of astute listeners today will have started this, listening to this conversation going, this is a little nerdy and then pricked their ears up about two minutes ago when we just mentioned that. I'd love to know the stats on who was still listening at eight minutes in. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Look, this is something that I guess we're always keeping our eyes out for and all of our loyal listeners out there, this is something that we thought we'd give away to you today is something interesting to just keep your eyes open for uh, if you're looking around some of those older suburbs that are not subdivision potential suburbs but still clearly have 60s and 70s duplex pairs sitting around that might come up as a couple available. Yeah, or if you're already living in one. Maybe knock on next door and ask them if they're happy to sell to you or happy to just even do the subdivision. Just do
1: do the conversion, split the cost in half. It's not going to cost that much for you now, two and a half grand
0: each. You're right. You might find that the vacant land itself might be worth more to someone than an unsubdivided duplex pair. Because especially in a suburb like Nedlands, there are very few people these days who would want to buy and move into a 50-year-old duplex pair half. But I bet yeah, they'd be pretty happy move, uh, buying a vacant piece of land for 350 square meters that they otherwise might not have been able to buy. Well,
1: there's also the, the change in value just from going from the built strata to survey strata. Mm. So, without knocking it down, you've just changed the portion of land that you're actually owning from just being the inside of the house mm. to now being the full half of the lot.
0: Yeah. Jeez, we are super nerds.
1: Uh, I love this stuff,
0: <laughs> <laughs> mate. Thank you very much for that really quick, sharp chat. i Really appreciate coming in, mate. I'm sure we're having you again soon. Thanks. Okay, suburb spotlight time. Now we are talking about one of Perth's most affluent, uh, enjoyable suburbs on the coast. It is Trigg, north of Scarborough. South of North Beach. North Beach and we've got <laughs> Sean Hughes, our number one agent in to chat Trig and only Trig today. Mate, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Trent. Let's get straight back to history as we always do. Give me a picture, paint me a pastel picture of Trig back when it was pre subdivision farmland, I guess. The surfers are out there on their wooden surfboards. <laughs> Tell me what life was like back then before you and I were born.
2: Yeah, sort of, you know, early to mid century this year. Originally farmhouses or holiday houses for farmers originally. I Shacks, like Just the little surf shacks. shacks, little surf shacks, little sandy roads and stuff like that. So sand dunes, uh, sand dunes, yeah, a lot of sand dunes. It wasn't really highly densely populated at all. You know, had Scar- Scarborough to the south where there were more apartments, etc. But um, not really densely populated. Small little beach shacks, etc. And over time, obviously, they've been knocked over and, and built on. So a lot of people back in the day used holiday homes in Trigg, and they'd come from the farming communities and go there for their holiday.
0: What a lifestyle, hey, to think that Trigg was your weekend holiday.
2: Yeah, I know. (laughs) That whole coastal belt to have as a a holiday place is just amazing. And it's
0: obviously transitioned to be one of Perth's most expensive and enjoyable suburbs to be around for not only residents, but everyone else. How's that transition occurred over the decades?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's certainly just gone in leaps and bounds, particularly in the last maybe decade or so. It's, uh, you know, in selling real estate and 20 years now, it has changed. It used to still be a bit of an aspirational suburb to get into, but in the last 10 years, it really seems to have come on quite dramatically, obviously with a lot of expensive homes being built, infrastructure investment in and around that area. So even in looking in the, the way that COVID's happened recently and how many people will flock to the beach on weekends, walking up and down the coast, really enjoying that whole lifestyle, I think as time's gone on, people have really placed a lot of importance on having that lifestyle at their doorstep and so they've picked trig as a suburb it's always been a pretty small suburb Trent. you know there's only 856 odd homes in there so it's not as big as mm. neighboring suburbs like north beach or scarborough which have over two thousand and three thousand homes in there one so, of the benefits of the suburb i think is if you didn't live in it other than west coast highway you probably wouldn't drive through it would you no yeah true yeah you wouldn't so mind you it's close to a lot of things and uh, around it but you would quite easily to just miss it it's protected yeah yeah
0: what were the original block sizes and and what built form was put on these blocks as a home? What's the average original house that you'd be selling now and then?
2: You standard sort of four by two homes that are, say, east of Kitchener Street, they'd be predominantly on 740-odd square metres of land, so they're the bigger blocks in the back end. As soon as you go west of Kitchener Street, which is a bit of a divide between the suburb front and back, a lot of the blocks are 506 square metres, so they get a bit smaller. They're all green titles. There aren't a great deal of subdivision opportunities in Trig. It's pretty rare to get a, a double block, and certainly in that little pocket which they call the Sandringham Estate and the pocket that sits behind Trig Point, which is south of Carronut Road, do have the odd thousand odd square meter block in there, but it certainly don't have as many opportunities to do subdivisions as say North Beach or Scarborough where the zonings are different or the blocks are bigger. So yeah. it's it sounds like it's a suburb that
0: came on in staged estates.
2: Yes, yeah, it would have been back in the day in stage to states, but they are all been green tidal and since then there hasn't been a great deal of subdivision and you see a lot of hopping within the suburb so you'll see people who change up, who want to get closer to the beach on the other side of the hill for various different reasons, obviously the view is the big thing. So there's, there are people upsizing within the suburb? Within the suburb and that's that's a lot of the transactions that you see, people will shuffle, they'll work hard to get into triggers, maybe their second or third purchase yep. and once they're there then they like to shuffle around and either get a little bit closer or get a newer home, but always within the suburb. I guess that makes it a bit easier for you. You know you buy your own, your seller. You do. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. But really limited, really limited turnover intrigue, you know, aside from from the fact that you've got sub 1,000 homes for sale or available at any one time, there, there just isn't a great deal of turnover.
0: Oh, it's good. It means that there's a family community there that enjoy investing in that lifestyle, but also that they... Uh, There isn't much mortgage stress and there's also a willingness to want to stay long
2: term. Yeah, and I think that that's probably the key thing that I see in Trigg more so than some of the other suburbs is that community feel because you have got neighbours and people in that area that have been in that same suburb for such a long period of time. You know, my neighbours were the Joneses and I spent 15 years next to them and they moved down the street but they're only two streets away and so I still know them. It's a real connection intrigue of everyone knowing everyone Is there a precinct intrigue where everyone would aspire to be other than on the west coast highway? Oh, uh, look, certainly that pocket that sits behind Trig Point, um, which is, you've got Hepworth and King Albert, that, that those two streets in there are pretty aspirational, so that's the pocket that just sits south of up Road, um, you're right close to the Canteen, the cafes there, Trig Point, the Surf Club, and it, it's just a little quiet enclave there. The so, walk
0: score is good, is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about that family lifestyle in terms of schools and sporting opportunities, take away the beach, we all know where that is, but yep. what else is going on, what
2: what does Trig have to offer on that point? Um, Well, Clarka Reserve is just a fantastic park with facilities down there for kids and that, that's just amazing, um, you've got uh, North Beach Park at the back end, Clark, um, which is um, Charles Riley Reserve and so that book ends on the side of Trigg and North Beach and that has the Bowls Club it's got the Rugby Club there mm-hmm. um, you've got a small little TAB or sports bet thing there uh, and then you've got the School of Our Lady of Grace, so Trig is quite synonymous with the cafe that is, is there at the moment, which is yellow cafe. Yes. And there's been a, Big talk about the development of what's going to happen there. Obviously, Fuhrer, a, a furor uh, of, of talk depends on who you speak yeah, to. Either it's a way, bit of a yeah. love hate relationship yeah. in there, and everyone's pretty vocal because it is a community feel, and everyone does like it. So they're very for or against. Mm. So it's got some good cafes. It's got great access to facilities like schools and parks, and obviously the beach. But then on top of that, you've got eight hundred million dollars being invested in the Caranup Shopping Centre, which is literally mm. down the road. Mm. You've had. You know, huge amount of invested investment into Scarborough as a precinct. So if you wanted to go to the bars and the cafes and everything, that's literally three minutes down the road. So you have got a lot of great facilities near there. You've got two golf courses. You've got arguably WA's best, most prestigious private golf course of up country club, you've got Hammersley Golf Course which is just off Marmion Ave there mm. and then on top of that you've got great schools what well, private schools like St Mary's that kids can walk to so a lot of people who live in that little enclave of south of Up Road can just have their kids walk to St Mary's and they actually go under the underpass and don't have to cross over over West Coast Highway.
0: You know, this lifestyle reminds me of when Simon McGrath came in and chatted about Mount Claremont. It's a suburb that a lot of people aspire to live in. One, because it's got a lot of good family homes and family lifestyle. However, not many of the actual attractions to that suburb are in that suburb. You've explained so many of the attractions where they're either in, down the road in North Beach, you're traveling five minutes to North Beach, five minutes to Scarborough, five minutes to Karen for all those. So, you're right in the middle of the a- action, but the action isn't in Trigg itself, which again leads to a good family lifestyle where you're not getting swamped other than with yellow yeah. by everyone else outside
2: of Trig coming in. Yeah, I almost see it like al- almost for the people who, and I see it so often for people who arrive home from work on a Friday afternoon, park the car in the garage, and they literally won't see that car until Monday when they go back to work. So, because so many things are so close to them from a lifestyle aspect, but if they do want to get in the car in order to go somewhere, like they're only two minutes, they're one minute, they're three minutes, mm. etc. cetera. So, or you're right on Reed Highway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go straight to the airport in one straight road to these the days. Airport. I know. Yeah, so, so that's,
0: that's a benefit. Uh, Okay, so the kids are probably going to uh, play sport in North Beach. They're probably going to St. Mary's or... uh, Hail. Hail down the road, somewhere like that. And what about your buyers and sellers? Where are they working? What's their
2: lifestyle? They're obviously not... Generally, first-home buyers? No, not first-home buyers, but a total mixed bag in there. You'll have some really top-end CEOs, some really affluent people who run big, multi-million-dollar companies, and then you'll have guys who are trades people who've worked well. Done you've well got, for themselves. you know, business owners of trades companies as well who've done well for themselves, and then you've still got the young families in there as well. So it's a really diverse and sort of eclectic mix. Um, you have got a lot of people, as I said, people work hard in order to get into that suburb and maybe they did that sort of 10 or 15 or 20 years ago and then they've shuffled around. Mm. So it can be that there's school teachers in there, there can be a lot of families in there who aren't on really high Wages, but because they worked hard to get in there a long time ago, they've they've done their best to stay there, and they've benefited from the benefited from the rises
0: uh, that come with being in the suburb. Yeah, worst
2: house, best suburb,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let, let's segue into then that entry point. What's an entry price point? To get into
2: the suburb, I would have thought you know sort of a standard land with a real average home on it's probably in that seven fifty mark. A lot there are big variances, so if you don't have views, it could be, and you're more towards the back end of the suburb, you could be seven hundred seven fifty. If you start getting that same size block, but then with views, it's pretty easy to spend two mil on mm-hmm. it and and not really have much of a house at all. So and then you run right up into the high price points. So as you further you go away from the water, the cheapest obviously it gets and. And You're behind it, the dune. i behind the dune, yeah. yeah. So <laughs>
0: Well that's a reality I think with a lot of suburbs going up the coast, like North Beach has the same issues as well, right? You can have some really expensive houses west of Charles Riley yes. and then it can get cheaper as close you get to Marmion. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The and, same thing with Trigg.
2: Yeah, and whether it's views or not, obviously views take in a big account, but as soon as you're in the towel and thong zone where you can walk to the beach rather than take your car, prices start to ratchet up pretty quickly. So it is quite a diverse mix and it's not uncommon in there to see a six or seven million dollar property right next to like a shack mm. so ready to go yeah that's one interesting point that I always notice and it might not be specific
0: to Trigg here because it's hard to tell what suburb you're in when you're walking up and down West Coast Highway yep but I've never seen such a high percentage of vacant land on any street than West Coast Highway
2: yeah, yeah, there's definitely some people playing some land tax on some of that stuff. Oh, yeah, what? Unbelievable. Maybe they have grand ideas and then they get stopped for whatever reason. Some of them there are owned by overseas people who are just mm-hmm. happy to have them sit.
0: Would also just be the old surf bloke from 50 years ago who's got a property that deserves a $7 million house, that,
2: but he can't afford a $7 million yeah. house. I know, and he paid 50 grand for it back yeah. in the day. Yeah, he's done well. Yeah. Well, I remember nearly 20 years ago when the first property on West Coast Drive sold for 500000 and everyone just could not believe that someone paid half a million dollars. It was obscene money. Mm. Yeah. And, and now it's 10 times that. Well, let's quickly
0: talk about those stats of the price points in Trig. One of the misnomers, one of the weird things about median house prices for suburbs is that it can be skewed by one factor very easily. And I think that's happened in Trigg, but you can confirm it for me, Sean, mm. Over the last five years, trig on the raw data has gone up
2: 44% in value. Yeah. Has it? Uh, the short answer is no. <laughs> if anything, it's probably come back. Um, like everything else in Western Australia that has been coming back. You know, we had four or five months from November this year or last year where we had capital appreciation. Um, But prior to that, we'd had negative growth. So the hard thing with statistics, as you would know, is that, you know, I go and sell a whole heap in the back end of the suburb at seven and 800,000. And then I go in the following quarter, go and sell, you know, a stack at four or five million. And and then they say it's gone up by 300% this quarter. And statistically that has happened, but it's not a, a true reflection of what's going on there I think what's the, the anomaly with Trigg is, and, and for, for four or five years where it's shown those statistics, is that there's been such an upgrade of homes. So people buy a block at a million or $2 million, they knock it over and they spend 3 or $4 million on a house and then that transacts and that sells at $5 million and you've had a lot of that happen. Mm-hmm. So with older homes, the value being more valuable and it being such a desirable suburb, people have gone, yep, I'm going to build my dream home here. They've built those, they've transacted for whatever reason and because there's been such a bigger increase in those type of properties transacting, that's where the growth is coming from.
0: It has to have some positive effect on the suburb just because the amenity of it, the, the look of the suburb starts to look super sexy, right? Yeah. But it's not a 44% number. No, no, definitely no, not, not. a afford- like for like house, it's not happening.
2: No, yeah, definitely not.
0: What do you think intrigue needs to happen to start seeing that? Or as you just said, you did start seeing it. What was going on there for a bit of growth?
2: Look, I think the economy's got to have the big factor in order to see what happens there. Um, so, a lot of people I find are not probably under the mortgage stress intrigue. As I said, it's it's the second or third property that they're purchased in there. Usually, they come into it with a fair bit of equity, so they don't have as much debt in there, and they don't really want to move out of there. So, it's pretty hard to go. Well, I'm moving out of here, and where am I going to go to that's going to be better than that? So, you see a lot of people stay. Mm. So. Um, I think moving forward, you're going to have to have growth. The Up Shopping Centre is going to have a huge impact, I think, personally. And if you would look at Trigg as a bit of a golden triangle now, you've got the suburb that's next to you on the on the southern side that's had a huge amount of infrastructure investment in it. You've got the suburb that's on the eastern side, which is up have a huge amount. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. around you of investment in um, infrastructure on top of what is already... An aspirational suburb got a lot of lifestyle aspects. You know, I think it'll be pretty hard to think where would I move to from there. So, I think you'll have more and more people wanting to get in, and with just a shortage of house and house opportunities and no subdivision opportunities, you've stolen to totally the show healthy. for me, Sean.
0: You've literally answered perfectly. I, I couldn't add any more to it. All I can do is summarise exactly what you've just said: is that there will be a good sustenance of demand. There is a very short level of supply. No more blocks are being made in that suburb. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as long as people keep making money, prices have to go up.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's
0: interesting. A very, very concise way of putting it. I really appreciate that, Sean. We have to go obligatorily to subdivision opportunities. It is Mm -hmm. a part of this segment that we always talk about. You've already prefaced it's pretty rare to find anything. Can we not do a corner lot split and put two nice four by two
2: Two-story houses on there. Do you see a bit of that at all? You can. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I think even the last one that that had that opportunity to sell actually had a subdivision. So it was a corner block, 808 square metres. And because it was corner, WAPC approval to put two on there at 404 with dual street frontage, which was quite good. They actually went down the path and did that subdivision. And then the person that I ended up selling that block to at two point eight million bought it and put one big house on it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think for some time I've seen a lot of people wanting to do subdivisions, take some profit out where there has been, and certainly up and down the whole coast, it's it's not isolated. The trig. there hasn't been profit in no, that subdivision, no. particularly mum and dad and um, you know one into two block subdivision. There just hasn't been the it's profit not there. there. Because
0: no. there aren't that many ship boxes left that you can have land value purchase in the first place. There's enough people out there that understand the process, pegging that price of the corner block up higher than it possibly should be. Yep. Uh, and most people that you're competing against as a mum and dad developer are people who don't really care about the price that sensitively. They want the outcome. They want that. That positioning and, and price isn't that much of a problem for them. Yeah. So it's very hard to find profit when you're competing with people who don't care about profit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. So and because the profit hasn't been there, and also because the families who've been buying into that area as well, predominantly wanting the bigger land holdings. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've seen less downsizes, even though there certainly are some downsizes in in the suburb. Predominantly, there've been families who are looking for the bigger blocks, and so they've opted for the bigger land option. So, yep, yep, there's a couple in there, the corner blocks, um, certainly the old quarter acre in there, um, which are front and back subdivisions in the Battle axe or even a side-by-side, but it would be sub-15% of the suburb.
0: Understandable, and each, horses for courses, I think, it's not a suburb where you really need a lot of density, and you might answer the reason why with this question is that, What's happening to your downsizes? Surely you have some. Surely a lot of the people who are buying in are buying in at the, in their 50s. Mm. 15, 20 years later, they're getting sick of that 4 by 2 massive mansion. Yep. Where are they going? Do they have options in Triggan? Is that... A bit of a missing middle.
2: Well, I think it definitely is a missing middle, and and this is where the the whole yellow cafe comes in because one of the one of the first developments for Trig from a multi-density sort of scenario in the, in the recent years is what will go above yellow, which is apartments for the planned at the moment, and I think that that's a great opportunity for people to downsize and stay within the suburb, um, because of those block sizes being five oh six and with plot ratios and and WAPC planning guides etc. Everyone ends up building a McMansion on there so that they use up all that they can. And, and, you know, with the land being quite valuable, they don't tend to undercook the land and build a single storey three by two that would be perfect for someone to downsize to. So I think the apartments will be the first sort of opportunity there above Yellow for people to downsize within the suburb. Uh, The people that I've seen who've downsized in the suburb have actually left the suburb. Yeah, that's a shame. Which is a shame, you know, and so they'll go to an apartment in Scarborough or they'll go for a lock up and leave in Scarborough, but unfortunately it doesn't offer too many opportunities like that.
0: That's, I guess, the outcome of planning that is probably focused on a broader community which includes Scarborough and not focused on that initial trig community. Yeah. If you had zoning on that highway, sort of like a Bondi, for example, yes. where it wouldn't make sense to put a $7 million McMansion. It would make sense to knock down two of those houses and put a $100 million apartment complex. Yeah. Um, There, that's where a lot of the downsizes, your Gold Coast-style, Bondi-style people would be going. Yeah. But I don't think you're ever going to see that intrigue because there's there's multi-million dollar houses
2: there that you'd never be able to knock down. Yeah. I think you're right. I don't think you'll ever see it aside from, as I said, the yellow side. I don't think you'll ever see it. And you know, I I look at City Beach, for instance, as well. A lot of big blocks, a lot of big McMansion homes in there. Mm. But an opportunity to downsize in City Beach, there's none. So... I probably think that they look at it from a more macro area and go, okay, right, well, we've got Scarborough. You, you know, yeah, it. we're bookended by these two suburbs, affluent suburbs that have got big blocks and big homes on them. That's where people can downsize to. But mm. not everyone, as you say, wants to move out of their suburb.
0: Yeah, not, not everyone wants to have to deal with Scarborough Beach Road and West Coast Highway every day and that mm. intersection, and that's sort of what you got to do if you're going to move into that. So that's where I think there's a bit of a misstep from the city of Sterling. I've got many concerns with their planning schemes, but... In in general, I think a more community-based, activity centre-based opportunity has been missed 20 years ago yep. by not providing zoning, incentivizing uh, some more density along that highway. It's a strange thing, is it, to have a road that's so busy, both mm. with foot traffic and car traffic, that is sidelined by mansions. You generally don't see mansions wanting to be on busy roads. Yeah.
2: That's where you'd put your density. Yeah. And, and you know, if I collate that with say the gold coast for instance you know you've got some great massive homes on the front on the waterfront on the gold coast but then you've also got big apartment blocks in there as well so it is a mix in there um you know i think the city of sterling could really get it right if they take the opportunity on the north beach shops which is on west coast drive Yep, yep and that's a great big bit of dirt that if they enabled shopping center on the ground floor and then apartments above it i think that that would meet a really big demand from the the local community
0: very true and also those last pieces of vacant land along that coast there's no reason why they can't also fill that gap as well yeah Um, you know no one's doing anything with that land and i'm sure that the owner of that property be very happy to have a a price uplift by someone like a blackburn coming in paying three times more than current value so that he can put 500 apartments up and look that's not the answer for everything we're not saying that's i'm not saying that that's that 500 apartments is what we all want. But mm-hmm. we certainly want some level of mixed density, I think, because at some point, people in the community will be, ba- will be paying for it. Yeah,
2: and it's it's. I think it's a really hard argument because you've got some people who are so vocal against it and yeah. some people are so for it. And I think as you, as long as they don't get it carried away with everything being done in there yeah. and it become like a Gold Coast sort yeah. of pocket, um, then I think that there's definitely demand for it. But certainly the guys who are doing the development there at, at the moment at Yellow are, are coming up against it and mm, people unfortunately struggling. are just a lot of people are resistant to change a lot of people want change for the right reasons a lot of people don't want right change for for their reasons so
0: it's a NIMBY suburb mate
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah i know
0: last question sean hughes number one agent intrigue what is the median house price uh
2: just over the mill so what will you do with that in your pocket today intrigue you wouldn't be able to do much, no. Mm. Yeah, so um, anything that's really good in there is sort of starting to get well into the twos. Um, and, you know, if you want something that's quite decent, it's like three or four. So, you know, we just sold one on Karen Up Road, and Caranup Road's a busy street, and that went for $3.5 million. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting a reasonable house, but you're on a busy street. So the numbers are starting to really creep up there how does the median get so low then is that because of what you were talking about a lot of the back end yeah and usually they're the ones that turn over more than the ones at the front end if you had
0: to then what would it be that you'd be buying if you only had a million you had to spend it in trig would there be somewhere where you go look it is the back end
2: But if it was going to be there, this is where I'd be going. Yeah. Something on Turnbull Way or Dewitt Dewitt Road. You know, we sold one on the corner of Dewitt Road, which actually could have been subdivided. It's opposite the bush, which is quite nice. You don't have an ocean view, but you're opposite the bush. Little old house on it. That just sold for a million twenty. And, and, you know, that's a great subdivision opportunity or uh, build a nice big home on there.
0: Sean Hughes, thank you very much, mate. This has been one of my favourite chats in 75 episodes. Super concise, noisy stuff and very entertaining as well. I appreciate it and look forward to having you again at some time in the future. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!